Hello and welcome back everyone to El Merengue Culer. We're back. We're back and we're excited to be back. Relax, relax people, we're back, we're back, <laughs> we're back for good. I know a lot of you guys have, have missed us and asked us where we have been. And we do have an apology to give you guys. And, and it's simply that it's not Brian's fault, <laughs> it's my fault. And it's just that I was out on vacation for, for a bit and then... I got COVID, or I think I got COVID. My wife ended up catching COVID, and, and it's just been a downhill of excuses and me canceling on Brian. But Brian has been here texting me every single Tuesday <laughs> about recording it's this a, podcast. Yeah, I mean, for sure, I take a little bit of fault, too. I probably could have done a little bit of a solo thing, but I just never got around to it. But um, hopefully that's our last hiatus of you know i think it's honestly probably been like a month now so yeah um but yeah but now we're back um better than ever jerry's healthy we're healthy and uh we got a really fun one for you guys today oh yeah hopefully this will be the second season or <laughs> yeah call it the second, uh, the season. second no, it's, it's more <laughs> like the continuation to the whole season and and we promise that hopefully this would be the the biggest break we take yeah. moving forward it should be a little bit more spicy moving down through the season as as you know we have a lot more exciting champion league matches coming up mm. and, and oh, yeah. a lot more of a, a competitive la liga with the recent outcomes in, in in the past recent matches that both real madrid and barcelona has played mm -hmm. but yeah very excited to be back with you guys hopefully you guys are doing well hopefully you guys have also been enjoying this oh, yes. past weeks with with a lot of football we just had you know the two biggest classicos real madrid barcelona manchester city man united mm -hmm. so it's dirty. been a very exciting week for for football fans arsenal chelsea right that was arsenal, last week chelsea. yeah but yeah. um but yeah hopefully you guys have been doing well um we are excited to be back and i mean maybe we probably shouldn't even uh, you know, prolong this any longer. Um, of course, what a weekend to get back to it um, right after oh, yeah. the, uh, you know, probably the biggest game of the year or one of the biggest game of the year. Uh, we just saw El Clasico this past Saturday, Saturday morning for us in Charlotte. And um, it was a very fun day. I got was, to see you. You got to hang out. Yeah, we got to. Yeah. Uh, for for any of you guys who who weren't there, who don't know, I actually had the courage to step into an all Barcelona fan bar. He invited himself, by the way. <laughs> he, we did not, he was not invited. Okay, he first said, of all, send me he, the address. He brought it up to me the day before and said, "Hey, Jerry, where are you watching the Classico? <laughs> yeah. Me and me and Jeff are, are going to this all Barcelona fan. That's hearsay. And I was like, "Bro, what if I show up with my Real Madrid jersey on? Yeah, wouldn't that make a statement? I mean, I was a little scared to be honest with you guys. Uh, I brought my pregnant wife with me and her and her jersey just in case they try to attack me while you I, I had an excuse blade. okay that i shouldn't be attacked because i'm going to be a future father but <laughs> i guess yeah good tactic good tactic but you know what i i was i was excited nervous because i knew that if we lost that game then i was in i was going to hear the you know the end of it with all those barca fans that were there but luckily real madrid won yeah you guys saw through um, if you guys didn't didn't see the game, um, it did end up uh, a two one, a very exciting two one. I, you know, 
relatively uh, one of the lower scoring Clásicos um, as of late. But um, it was it was very exciting. It was very exciting until the very end. I mean, it was the winning goal was in stoppage time by uh, I forget his name, but um, that was a joke. Obviously, it's Jude. <laughs> um, Barcelona did obviously he they won the possession battle fifty two percent to forty eight. Um, duels were fifty fifty. Aerial duels, um, Real Madrid did see them all um, through. Um, yeah, I, whatever. You know, I don't really want to talk about the stats. Obviously, that's not the that's not the name of the game. So, other than I guess, you know, going into the ho- hostile um, environment of you know the Barca bar and stuff. Right. How confident were you in the um, oh, for, formation with the formation? How were you? Well, I don't know. When you saw the lineup, how did you feel? Yeah, to, you know, to be honest with you, I it, it was a typical Ancelotti lineup. Mm. I don't I don't think anybody could have been fooled by <laughs> the the lineup he brought. And the reason why I say that is because once again, he's putting his trust in in Tony Cross instead of uh, Eduardo Camavinga. And I think Eduardo Camavinga for many games now, probably over the past year has demonstrated that you know, he deserves to be in that starting role at Real Madrid. But, you know, we saw Ancelotti instead play with this uh, rumbus formation that he's been playing uh, since the beginning of this year. Um, he surprisingly started Ferlan Mendy. I actually thought that he was going to play Camavinga left back um, and then, you know, possibly rest Mendy since he's coming off an injury. And then, you know, play Chouamani, also play Tony Kroos in there with uh, Valverde and Bellingham. Um, but, um, you know, we, we saw a game in which we have Vinicius and Rodrigo playing alone up front. And to be honest with you, Brian, I felt confident that we were going to win for the simple fact that you guys were coming off a lot of injuries. Mm-hmm. And you guys had a lot of players who were not available to start uh, last game or this past Clásico and players who did become active last minute, like, for example, Lewandowski, Rafinha, uh, Kunde, But, of course, they were not in the actual starting lineup. Mm-hmm. So, I did personally feel confident going into this game that Real Madrid were going to win. But, I don't necessarily like the fact that Ancelotti still doesn't trust his youth core to go out there and play the big games. And that's no, you know, that's not any type of hate towards Tony Kroos because he has been killing it and he has played really well, really good games this past uh, couple of games. But I just don't think that he's necessarily there mm-hmm. for, you know, competitive games and big games like El Clásico. But what about you? How did you feel about Barca and, and, and the sketchy lineup? The, you know, the, the only lineup really that I don't Shelby had. Honestly, you know, I think I think in the morning of, mind you, I was probably not in the greatest state of mind that Saturday morning. But <laughs> I was, um, I was like freaking out because I was like, why has he got Cancelo up there? I was like, man, this dude loves the anti-Vinny with um, Ronnie playing in the right back and. Mm-hmm. Um, Ferran, you know, like, I, I don't know. <clears throat> I wasn't confident, but now after, like, you know, 
taking some days of just like you know doing like l- rewatching the game, seeing the highlights, seeing like um, like with a, with a with a clear mind, just looking at the game and like watching the breakdown and stuff like that. I actually think Chavi did his homework and got the lineup right as far as the formation goes. The the way he was trying to play against Real Madrid, he wasn't like trying to play. Um, how do you say? Um, he wasn't trying to put a lineup uh, uh, that's best for Barcelona. He was trying to do a lineup that was going to best Real Madrid. Okay, I if that makes saying. sense. Yeah. Um, so you know, even with Jao playing so high up, he was still falling back, and like it was like when he needed to be, because you know how maybe again it's going to get like very nerdy but like in soccer games you have a, a starting lineup mm-hmm. and formation right. but rarely does that ever really be stay right, the same right. throughout the game right if you're if you're attacking you have a different lineup if you go back on defense you have a different lineup mm-hmm. if you are trying to press in the middle it becomes a different lineup right. and for some reason that little uh 433 that he had with the players that he had playing each position was very easily like adjustable for whatever he wanted. It was it almost became like a, a five three two because you had basically Ferran and Jao alone up yep. front, and then mm-hmm. Cancelo would drop back mm-hmm. to help uh, uh, Ronnie with with. Uh, or sometimes, it, or sometimes it was like a mid block, and then he'd have three in the back with uh, Baldic, um, Iñago Martinez, and Christensen, and then Jao Cancelo like clogging up the middle with. Um, Fermin, uh, uh, Fermin, Gavi, and um, and Gundogan. Um, so I think he actually got the formation down right. I do think he played the right people for like, and like you said, we had a lot of injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, that you play with, Shabby played with what he had, mm-hmm. and I do honestly uh, agree with you on that take. That I, I do think that Barcelona played Real Madrid the game that they needed to play mm-hmm. for the first fifty minutes. I would say 60 minutes. 50, probably. 60, okay. I, when I was looking back at it, yeah, it was like good 60 minutes. For sure the first half. Um, Definitely I, the first half, yes. Yeah, for sure the first half. What I what I think happened, because I'll be the first to come in and like, you know, when we have these games, Barcelona talking, right? Mm-hmm. For When Barcelona has these games where like they win, but they played horribly. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, of course we're happy because we saw it out, but right. it's like, we're like, there's a lot to figure it out, you know, like, right. like when you, like, I think one of our um, earlier episodes, I think we played against uh, Granada mm-hmm. and like, we, I think we won like one zero on like the last second okay. and you were like, that was the most boring game ever, blah, blah. Oh, yeah. And it was like, because we weren't doing anything. We weren't, we weren't, excuse me. I mm-hmm. think that was like La Emilia Mal's like second starting game. And, and like, he was like night and day from his first game and mm-hmm. it was just no creativity, whatever. This game, it was like we had it all. Like we did everything good. It's just that for, you know, that saying in Spanish, it's like uh, goles que no metes, uh, son goles que te meten. Right. right? right so it's right. like, you know, if you the, the, all the goals that you don't score, they're probably going to score on you because right. you're not doing these. Um, the opportunities that you take advantage of, the other team yeah. will capitalize. And on. we weren't like, you know, Fermin had that post. Iñago had that post. He had... Uh, Fermi- oh yeah, yeah, you're right. Fermi Fermi had Lopez. the first post, and then mm-hmm. and then Iago Martinez had the f- second post, and then it's like, um, and then yeah. So I think so. I'll, I'll let you jump in. I just think, mm-hmm. just first half Barcelona control the game. Second half, um, actually, 
You just go. You go no, no, I was just going to say, obviously, you know, to kind of summarize a little bit of what happened, right? We saw the first goal come in early on in the first half. Oh, right. Around the fifth or sixth minute. Yep. Um, Gundogan had a beautiful play that he created himself uh, on the 101. And unfortunately, off a mistake by Real Madrid, uh, where so many kind of tipped the pass. And then we saw David Alaba trying to clear the pass out. But it was a very early... Um, early clearance to where Alaba wasn't able to put enough power on the ball. And then we saw Gundogan, you know, put the ball in between uh, Kepa's feet. And so that's where, you know, we saw Barcelona right away jump off the bat uh, and score. And and I think that Real Madrid, right, now talking a little bit about Real Madrid, Uh they they had a very, very poor first half. One, simply because our starters were completely useless. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> they weren't in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it, you know, in Vinicius, instead of focusing on actual creating opportunities, playing the one-on-one, I wanted to see that one-on-one against Araujo. I don't necessarily really think that Araujo locked him up. I think mentally he did lock him up because we saw Vinicius. He was shying away from him, yeah. He yeah, was he, was, he was kind of throwing himself, complaining, talking with the ref. I, there was like two instances where he was going back and forth with Xavi. Charlie, yeah. So I think that like, you know, mentally, right, Araujo, beat him at his game and, that, and that's something that really upset me but we'll talk a little bit about any in just a second when it comes to rating the players and stuff like that but um i wanted to say that barcelona played the right game against uh real madrid mm-hmm. i think real madrid kind of put themselves defensively because i feel like they figured that if barcelona somehow managed to score another goal mm-hmm. i think the game would have leaned towards Barcelona winning that game yeah. just because I do think that it would have been more difficult for Real Madrid to kind of play off that, you know, five-man defense to a certain degree that Barcelona was playing, mm-hmm. that false five-man defense, yeah. you know? And so I think that they played the perfect um, first half. Now, what went wrong for Barcelona in the second half? I think um, personally... It wasn't. It wasn't much. I think in the second half, we the starting the second half, we did start off hot. Um, uh, we still were putting that pressure on to uh, Real Madrid, but I'll say we let Barcelona let Real Madrid get back into the game because of the opportunities missed. What I'm getting at is going to make a little bit more sense, right? Mm-hmm. So. Going in, obviously, Robert Lewandowski was uh, injured. He wasn't mm-hmm. had hadn't played in a month, and this was his first game back. He was clear to play thirty minutes or so. Mm-hmm. So, therefore, obviously, um, uh, Xavi wanted to wait till the second half, right? And he subbed them in right at the four. What was it? It was at the sixty-first minute. 61st minute. It was Robert for Fernand. Yeah, 61st minute, Robert for Fernand. And what I want to say about that is that Ferran Torres didn't have the bestest first half ever, yeah. but his pressing is so... I mean, he played up... Like, he put in a shift in, in, in to me, looking mm-hmm. at the game back. Like, again, I had to look back at it again. I know in the morning, you know, we were drinking and stuff. And, right. But, um, I just wanted to look back at it again so I know what I'm talking about. And mm-hmm. like he was his pressing was like A1. Like he wasn't giving like any time to um even like Valverde uh este, in the first half, Ancelotti did like a little um adjustment with uh, Valverde, like going a little bit further back because mm-hmm. he saw that there was like just a lot of gap 
right. between the mid and the, and the defense. So he pulled Valverde a little bit further back. Mm-hmm. And um, even with that, like uh, Ferran just wasn't giving him any breathing room. So it was like, you guys had to press really, uh, come out of the press mm-hmm. really strongly. Lewandowski having to, you know, being 35 years old, not playing for a month, coming off of an injury, he wasn't going to like give it his 150%, you know, he was, right. you know, he's still going to be this deathly threat in the box. And, you know, if he gets a free shot outside the box for sure, but like, he's not going to give you that, like press, press, press that Real Madrid couldn't figure out an answer for, for the first 50 or 61 60, minutes. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And then what happens at the uh, 68th minute mm-hmm. Bellingham uh, right. does that. Does that goal? That crazy goal. That was a tough goal. Yeah, I, I was seeing a lot of people talk about um, Belly goal. Uh, <laughs> about Martin Stegen probably being doing better on that, but I was looking back at it again. I keep on saying that, but looking at it again, that was a nasty shot. Like yeah. he, he. I don't think he grabbed it the way he wanted to, but it didn't even matter. Like he had such a swing to it. It like because it looked like it hit like just. He didn't big toe it, but he, it was like right on top of the toe. He, he, I feel like he hit it with with the, the laces. No, yeah, with the laces. It was part. like almost at the laces, but like the just, laces and the toes part. Like yeah, exactly. It. it was like laces toe, and then that made like the ball like go like from straight to move a little bit to the right, and that's mm-hmm. why like Ter Stegen like kind of slapped it, mm-hmm. but it still went in. Uh, anyways, that was a beautiful goal, but I think that. That that press that we missed from Ferran to Lewa, like just allowed you guys to play like more and more on our attack. Uh, I mean, on our half, and then that led to that. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that uh, the main problem, or the, the reason why the game changed so drastically in in the second half, was was really the fact that we had one a more offensive threat being put out there by Carlo Ancelotti. I feel like. And I don't want to give him any credit because sometimes I have a love and hate relationship with him because yeah. I do think that sometimes he strategic strategically plays out of a fear factor. Players like Tony Cross instead of his younger squad, like I mentioned before. Yeah. But, you know, bringing in Eduardo Camavinga, he was bringing in that offensive presence that Ferlan Mendy wasn't contributing to the game. We saw him kind of bring the ball forward. And, and because of that, right, we then we saw, of course, as you mentioned, the first change by by uh, Xavi, where he brought in Robert instead of Ferran, trying to see maybe he could get some type of counter, get the ball to, to Leo and possibly see maybe Barca go up 2-0, kind of secure the win a little bit more. But then Ancelotti does the changes where he takes out Tony Kroos, he brings Luka Modric, a more offensive player than Tony Kroos himself, and he also brings in a proper number nine. So what does Xavi then do? Xavi goes defensively. Xavi brings in Oriol Romeo yeah. right after... Uh, the Jude Bellingham goal, and he brings, he takes for me now, which for me, to me, was playing a phenomenal game. I think he... 10 went, out of 10, yeah. Yeah, he passed by uh, Tony Kroos, like, on three occasions. We talked about it at the bar. We were like, oh, my goodness, what is Tony Kroos doing? Yeah. He was playing, like, a double pivot with Romani, not really creating any attacking opportunities, and so Fermin was having a field day. It was an open field for Barcelona in the midfield, and so that's where i think that it went all wrong for barcelona i think xavi thought you know what i'm gonna play defensively even more and like because i said he was playing like a false uh back line right but we obviously know that Dal cancelo is a more offensive player to begin with yeah. so it was a false uh five line but 
towards the end of the game is when they really kind of played a, uh, an actual uh, uh, five line in the back. And we saw, you know, Oriol Romeo, a more defensive player, a more slow player, a player that, you know, the young Real Madrid squad is able to kind of play around with and toy around with. And that's where, of course, we saw um, a more offensive game from Real Madrid. And Real Madrid kind of took over after that to finish the game yeah. with, of course, another goal in the 91st minute. A 92nd minute around there by Mr. Jude Bellingham. So, as you guys know, it was a doblete, uh, uh, a brace by Jude Bellingham. Let's talk a little bit about Jude Bellingham. I think we've already covered the classical pretty well. Yeah. Um, you know, we talked about how special this player was going to be at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. We talked about how it was going to be the signing for Real Madrid going into this year. We haven't really brought Jude Bellingham out before or after the break that we've recently had. Brian, your honest opinion, what do you make of Jude Bellingham? I know that you're going to try to sound professional here, but <laughs> you is a hater to Jude Bellingham. Yeah, no. And and I want you to, you know, specifically say it out there to the people that are listening to this podcast. What what is your honest opinion on, on Jude Look, Bellingham so far? Jude Bellingham is a really good soccer player. He really is. I mean, what is it right now? 14 goals and uh, 12 games? or uh, 13 goals in 13 games. So 13. he has a ratio of one goal per game. Yeah, I mean, that, like, <clears throat> on paper, is literally Real Madrid's best signing ever in their history of uh, ever. Well, close to Ronaldo, yeah. Or no, Ronaldo. he already beat Ronaldo. Oh, he beat Ronaldo? On, on, goals, on goals per game? Okay. Yeah, 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 no, I don't, there's, he, I think he passed Ronaldo after the seven, seven goals and. Uh, I think he tied Ronaldo's. Um, and then I think after that, he, I think the next game, he, he either, uh, didn't score. I think it was maybe the Sevilla game. I'm just saying like, there's, I don't think, I don't think, I don't think Real Madrid has had a player no, who no, has no, had this many not. goals in this many games, in right. these little games, you know? So on, on paper, he's the best ever signing for, for Real Madrid. So obviously that's not a fluke. Obviously he knows what he's doing. Um, and I, again, I don't want to put a butt or sound like a hate or anything like that. I just think so. Like, even like, let's talk like a little bit going back to the classical mm-hmm. first half. What did Jude Bellingham do? He didn't really do much the he first half. Um, um, who it, it's a weird like, comparison, but uh, one of your um Madrid fan homies uh texted me this today, like giving me a Gavi Bellingham comparison, okay, right? And they're completely different players. I understand right, that. And right. they're play for completely different teams, doing completely different game plays. Mm-hmm. But who is a better uh, player in the first half, Bellingham or, or Gabi? Gabi. Gabi had a phenomenal game last he week. Was, I mean, his press was insane. and Probably the best player, I think, in my opinion. And he was probably – he was doing, like, a, a display of just, like, a probably, like, a perfect, like, pressing midfielder, right? Just, like, he was everywhere, like – Right. And, and his – I think his main – Looking back at the game, his main goal was to like be on Bellingham, mm-hmm. which like as you know, like being like pressing uh, or man marking is not easy to do. You know, not comparing Bellingham to Messi, but like mm-hmm. people have tried to do that to Messi and it does, it hasn't worked yet, mm-hmm. right? Or it didn't work, anyways. Mm-hmm. But um, so anyways, I'm going around in a circle. What I want to say is like Bellingham is a beast going forward. He's just. His soccer IQ to um, just um, follow through on plays because, you know, 
I'm not, I'm not trying to sound like a hater, but a lot of his goals are tap-ins or oh like in like God. no. Hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. It's it's it does sound like a backhanded compliment, but the truth is, what's the truth? Is it how many goals does he have like within the six yard yard box? Probably the better the better half of them, right? Okay. He did have that banger against. Um, the, the, the thing it was the narrative was that he only scored against small teams. Well, because he hadn't played a big, a big and, team yet, but then and, he played and then Napoli. He his best goal <clears throat> against Barcelona, uh, injured Barcelona, injured Barcelona. Uh, <laughs> hey, look, see, I wasn't, I wasn't trying to be toxic, but look, you, you're bringing it out. <laughs> no, look, he's he's a really good player. Again, thirteen. Uh, what he's doing is insane. It's not a fluke. All I'm saying is like it's not sustainable, and Real Madrid needs to figure something but else out. But you've been saying that for the past. Games that it's, it's not sustainable, but somehow he keeps scoring every single game. It's fine, but I'm telling you. <laughs> and then what what makes it in the long run not sustainable? Because because if, he's a put him up at striker. Then he's playing a false nine, and 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 people figure it out. He's not messy. You can't do that forever. Well, Barcelona didn't figure it out this past game because he scored a brace against. That's not, but it's his first season. It's thirteen games. I'm telling you, I'm not saying it's not going to happen th- this week or next or the next. Right. I'm just saying it's not sustainable. What? And maybe this is more of a, a dig at Real Madrid than Bellingham. But even Madridsters are saying like Bellingham is bailing us out almost every game. That's true. And he's a 20 year old midfielder. That is true. That's not. It's not sustainable. It hasn't happened yet. I'll tell you this much. It just hasn't happened yet. Okay. And he's probably gonna if he's the first ever, cool. Mm-hmm. But I think it's fair to say that a 20-year-old a, a midfielder in his first season is gonna like bail you out of every Champions League game and every league game. You know how many games that is? Sure. It's it's a long season, bro. Okay, but but what up what about the hotel of, of having Galactico players come in and once in a blue moon? You know, what if yeah. we have found our, our replacement. I'm not saying that Bellingham is going to play a striker role. I'm not saying that, and I agree with you to that sense that we, I don't expect Bellingham to have scored as many goals as he has done so far or that he will continue that, but that doesn't change it from the fact that he is still or, or will be a future generational talent, He's, a galactico player that yeah, we haven't guys, seen in a while. You guys definitely got yourselves one. That's I mean, that's without a doubt. I mean, the production that he's done for for like what you guys expected him to do mm-hmm. is insane. But like, okay, so with all these goals, right, that he's doing, mm-hmm. does that make him the best midfielder ever right now? No, not, no. The best midfielder right now? Yes. But not the best midfielder ever. Of course not. No, okay, but, not ever. But I'm saying like, but how? He's like, the best midfielder right now currently in the world. Because of his goals. Because of his goals and his impact. I mean, he's, like you mentioned yourself, he has bailed Real Madrid out of multiple games. Right, 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 right. But I'm saying as a midfielder, is he like, is he like a Modric? Is he like a menace? Does he control? Does he, does he carry the game? Does he control the tempo? No, he bails it out when like, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a, uh, a, a, a free kick, a corner kick, or you know, you guys play the ball in from the from the wings, and he just happens to be there. You know, um, who was that? Luke uh, Carvajal did that central to uh, Modric. Modric just happened to touch it, bumped over Iñago Martinez, and then Bellingham was just there. I'm not. He's a very good poacher, goal scorer, soccer player, but he's not that good of a midfielder. I I disagree with you. Yeah. I think he is that good of a midfielder, and I think that you're you're focusing so much of okay, he he scores, he scores, but once again, he is not a striker. He's a midfielder. That's what I'm saying. Exactly, and and for a midfielder to do that, 
let's 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 change the roles around. Let's change yeah. the roles around. Let's say that this wasn't Jude Bellingham that had all these goals, but let's say it was Rodri that had all these goals. Would that make Rodri the best midfielder in the world? Wait, Rodri, Rodri from, from, from Man, City? Man City. Yeah, from Man City. He's a holding mid. No. But but Rodri was scoring a lot of these goals last last uh, last season for Man City. Very crucial goals in big games. Yeah, but you never heard the shouts of him being the best midfielder last year. Yes, bro. No, because he's a he's a holding mid. I mean, he's a holding mid. He's great at what he does for being a five. I mean, Rodri got top ten this year in Ballon d'Oro uh, candidacy. Right, but that's not the that's not the best midfielder. Well, to me, oh, well, I guess it's based on opinions. But to me, Rodri was the best midfielder last year. He wow. was to me. He was. I mean, who would you? Did you have the best midfielder De last year? De Bruyne was injured last year. Not he all. Got injured, not, he got injured. Not all season. Okay, not all season, but he was injured in the finals of the Champions League. Right. Okay, and I do think that the impact that Rodri had offensively for the type of quality player he was. I mean, the saves he was doing, just the overall play in the midfield, to me, made him the best uh, midfielder in the world. And I know where you're going with this, that, you know, yes, but you're saying that, you know, Rodri is the, the inaction midfielder. But what I'm saying is that Jude Bellingham, the impact, the way he brings the ball forward, the the way he saved Real Madrid on multiple occasions on different games, last minute um, goal scores, uh, game winners, I'm sorry. That is the quality of a leader. Mm-hmm. And I do think personally myself that he is right now currently the best midfielder in the world. I'm not saying he's the most tactical midfielder in the world, and I'm saying that he has the uh, the 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 mechanism and the skill level of Tony Kroos or, or even Luka Modric or Kevin De Bruyne. <laughs> what we got to remember, this kid is only 20. Mm-hmm. 20. Modric didn't move to Real Madrid, so he was like 27, mm-hmm. 26. You know, Tony Kroos didn't come to Madrid, so he was like, what, 25 around there or 24? So... Four years from now, what are we going to be saying about Jude Bellingham if he continues the way that he is, of course, and, and, and you know, he keeps himself healthy? I think that it's just so rare to see something like this with how competitive the world of football is. And that's why I personally think that Jude Bellingham, not because I want to hype him up this crazily, is because he shut my mouth. I wasn't expecting this. I was expecting him to be good. But, do you think, but not, do you but not carry us. Do you think he's a he gets a little lucky sometimes? I I would agree with you on on some on certain games where yes he's kind of been there at the right moment at the right place and score you can consider easy goals. Uh-huh. But when you see him out of nowhere whip this crazy ball to the best goalkeeper last year, Ter Stegen, Ter Stegen not even getting a chance to you know he touched it, but I mean it it was like a. a banger 30 yards out i don't even know how far it was but he was all you heard was the net you know and and so that was a goal right then we saw obviously the goal against napoli where he brought it pretty much from the midfield line took it all the way and scored against napoli and an italian team was very good defensively won Serie A last year then i'm like okay it's not just luck it's not just happens and perhaps so far you know throughout the season he has scored what we can consider tappings, but at the same time, you have to be there. You know, you have oh, to I be know. there. And 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 why isn't Ocello scoring those goals when he's the number nine? You know, it, it's not a good number nine. <laughs> yeah, perhaps, <laughs> but he was top three in La Liga and scoring last season, or top two, or something like that. He was top two actually after Benzema. So he can score goals too, but 
The thing is that his that kid's IQ is so high. He's so good. He knows where to position himself. He knows how to shoot the ball. He knows how to get it in between the legs. I mean, that second goal against Barcelona, he put it in between the legs of Ter Stegen. Yes, bro. You know? When it came off his calf, he just he just had to touch it. Those are like those are ones that you don't, bro. I mean, I'm not saying I'm a, an elite striker, but I'm I mean, saying I I know what it is when you're in front of the goal and you just have to put your foot there and hope it like aim it at the goal. Right? True, true. But I mean, we could say the same thing about Fermin. Fermin had that post shot that he took that you know he could have easily put it to the other side of the post where. But he uh, was aiming for it. But he was aiming he for, at the close. He aimed for he aimed for the near post. I'm, I don't I didn't like that decision, but. I think he was just trying to. He was thinking Kepa's gonna swing you, over here. You think you put Jude he Bellingham? Aimed it, he aimed it. You, you put Jude, Jude Bellingham in Fermin's spot. Do you think Jude misses that shot? Um, he and, and at the rate that he's scoring goals right now. At the rate that he's no, because he's got the look of the striker right now. He's got the look of the ball right now. So he you're is. saying that his performance is based on luck, not actually. You're saying no, that he's no, luck. no, no. But some sometimes, bro. Sometimes, sometimes you just can't miss. You had this game. Be, you had this game of strikers the other day. That you don't ever really have. No, okay, no, no first of all, I've been two games consistently playing. <laughs> you were pretty solid last two games. But, like, the game before, you know the one I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, like, a competitive Thursday night game. And you you don't, you're, you're you know, you're a, a lefty. You, you, I usually like you to play on the right wing. You used to, you used to always want to play on the left wing. Now I'm, I make you play on the right okay, wing. Okay, but get to the point about the luck. And then, and then, well, yeah, so you're, you're a winger, I'm saying. Mm. You don't usually... Try to shoot a lot, but you don't score a lot. And then that game, you had like 10 goals out of nowhere. Okay. And it was like a lot of those goals, I don't think you were really aiming at anything. You were just shooting the All ball. All right, buddy. All were right. You, oh, were you aiming You're going to offend me, Andrew. No, I'm just asking you a question. No, I mean, so I mean, I try. I try, yes. But do I get lucky? Do I not get lucky sometimes? Sure. But okay, but you're saying that. I had one look, lucky game, but Jude Bellingham hasn't had no, I know, I one know. lucky game. He's I, had the whole season yes, to bro. showcase for. I understand so that. Far. I understand, but I'm just saying, like when you're on the roll, sometimes you're, you're catching fire right now. Too. Right, right, What's right. You just say you're on your second, but uh, good game. Right, right. and who? We'll see Thursday. You might just keep it going. Okay, I'm just saying, Jude Bellingham. Look, I just think if anything, you guys are putting way too much pressure on him. It's it's like you know he's no. young, like. Um, and who's to say when you guys get a, a, a world star, a, a world class um, striker, how he's going to have to, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, adapt. Adapt to the, the new gameplay and the new format of like, Jude, now you can't just do whatever you want down the middle and shoot whenever you want. Right. Now you have a striker you got to pass to. Right. And I'm not saying he's not a good passer, but he's not like Modric or Kevin De Bruyne-esque okay. uh, of passing and of of like of like controlling the game as as far as like controlling the tempo. Now I know maybe you can say that well Modric is the one that's going to control the tempo, but he's getting older. You need his successor, right? right? But there, that he doesn't really do that. He's a box to box like world class midfielder. Mm -hmm. Chouameni is like a good holding mid. Kamavinga gives has lungs and just presses insanely. Mm -hmm. So like, who's gonna be your 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 next midfield maestro who's like holding down the, like the midfield and controlling it to where like. He doesn't even have to score where, like, Modric, Ballon d'Or, he scored, like, eight goals in all competitions, four assists, something like that. Yeah. And, like, but he got the Ballon d'Or because he didn't, like, things that, that, that you don't see on the stat sheet. Okay. And that, like, if he didn't do that, you don't win anything. But you guys won everything because he did that. So, I'm saying, yes, Bellingham is not all luck. He has a huge high IQ, huge potential. 
like his 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 lip like his roof is limitless but mm-hmm. I just, I just say, I'm just saying. As far as midfielding goes, I, I, I have this mentality of what it is, and maybe I'm just close-minded. And I don't think Bellingham is like the best ever. Is he the um not ever right now? Is he top five best midfielders in the world right now? Yes. Is he the best La Liga player right now? Yes. I don't know about the world, but in the best in La Liga right now, yes. And it's purely because, like you said, it's his impact. Am I saying he's the best midfielder in La Liga? I don't think so. I just don't. But okay. he's the best player. He's the best player. All right. So what I was able to resume from this for, for the audience out there is that, you know, Jude Bellingham is, is he's in a lucky uh, sting or whatever you, however you say it. A lucky he's in a lucky run. streak. He's, he's in a lucky streak, streak yeah, from yeah. Ryan. And that he's not considered the best midfielder in the world. I want I you guys, when him. you guys listen to the episode, please, please. Brian is actively on our Instagram account. Shoot him a message. And let him know your opinion about, you know, what you guys think. Of Jude or maybe just let me know. Am, am, are we, am, am I a bias? Uh, you know, do I have a biased perspective just because I'm a Real Madrid fan? Like I said, I, I'm trying to be as open-minded as possible about the whole concept because I don't like also, and I've, we talked about this with Brian before, about, you know, hyping a lot of these young guys and young players. Obviously, you know, we're not talking about a Masia product or a, play, a player coming from Real Madrid's youth squad. We're talking about a player who we paid a ton of money for, Fact. right? Um and was supposed to make the impact that a good impact, but not the impact that he's doing. And that's why, you know, we, we went, at least us Madrid fans, from changing the narrative of, of a good midfielder to a potential, oh my God, this could be a galactical signing for the future. And the fact that he's mm-hmm. only 20 years old, he's doing it at the, uh, you know, when, uh, what he's doing, doing it, you know, he has what we say, like the balls, right, of, of, of steel, because Calcone. you know he's he's playing against you know Bar- Barcelona, right? Yeah, and and he's scoring a brace. But anyways, uh, enough about Jude Bellingham. We just wanted to kind of you know give him his his flowers for, yeah. for what he's doing and and, and how like I said, he is. Keep in mind, if you do want to hate on me or like send messages, <laughs> I did say he's the best player in the Liga right now. There's no doubt. Uh, yeah, but I just think I, again, just look up or think about your definition of a, the best midfielder in the planet at the moment. And I don't think he fits that. But who would you classify as the best field better right I, now? I don't. You I, you putting me in the spot. Throw me I can't think name. about. Me it. I can't think about it right now. There's nobody right now that's doing that impact. He is. There's best absolutely right no one right putting now. Putting me in the spot, bro. Best midfielder right now. Best midfielder right now. Yikes! I can't. I can't think. There's absolutely no one. You're. Yikes, dude! You actually. You probably see. You stumped me. That's <laughs> what you have to do. Yeah, that's what you ask. Okay, yeah, you're right. He probably we can't say Pedri. Pedri's been injured. No, I know. We can't say Gundo. Gundo just had his first goal, and he, this is probably the best match he's had all season. Um, Gavi, he's a good, consistent player, but he's not. No, he's he's uh, on the come up right now, but he's not the best. Rodri, he's been decent, but not as good as last season. Rodri, um, honestly, Musiala probably. Oh, Musiala's up there, but but no. but not. Uh, but you know what? It's like that's like a. It's almost like his team is so good that it hurts him. You know what I mean? Who Mus- uh, Musiala's, Musiala's team? team Musiala's yeah. team is so good and has so much talent that it almost overshadows how good he is. You know? What no, I, mean? I don't think we overshadow it because he just came second in 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 the award for the best yeah, talent. For the best on the young front. for the young. Yeah, but, yeah, but there's not that many that young people that are that good right now. Kamavinga. Pedri, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Gavi, Pedri. Uh, no, Pedri's Pedri, 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 Pedri 21, I think. 
Pedri is Copa's, he's uh, still, best, he, best. He, he might be 22 now. 20, I don't even know how old he's. But I'm, but actually, I'm talking about youth talent, you know. Yeah, actually, I think Copa is the youth talent. Speaking but, of Copa, mm-hmm. you want, oh no, actually no. Let's 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 uh let's go to the Gundes statement. Yeah, just to wrap up. Let's the talk about yeah, exactly wrapping up the classical talk. We had a very very interesting. I'm gonna read. I'm gonna just basically kind of. Recap a little bit of what Gundogan said in his um so this statement. Is post, this is post match um post match interview. Like that, like just to put it into perspective for everybody. Like the game ended, uh, everybody goes to the dressing room. They they shower, they change, they get the you know they talk to their coach. Whatever happens, everybody comes out dressed, and then there's this is the post match uh, interview with uh, Gundogan, our midfielder for Barcelona. That's right. Gundogan basically came out and said that, you know, he was going to be very mindful of what he was going to say. Right. And, and just, you know, give you guys some background. Gundogan was the captain of Manchester City last year. Manchester City, who won the treble. Okay. And and he was a, a main reason of why they won the treble. And obviously playing under a, a coach like Pep Guardiola, which is considered the best coach of all time. He came out and said that he didn't see enough frustration with certain players or certain individuals. I wouldn't even say players. Certain I think he just said in the locker room. Yeah. In the locker room regarding regarding the match. And, and he basically came out and said that, you know, this is why he came to Barcelona and it was to play these big matches against... And win those games. You know, and Real Madrid and, and win these games and that, um, you know, his his perspective on things is that you know, today they drop points to Real Madrid. They're now third in La Liga. We Fourth. Put, uh, no, third. Uh, we, we have Girona, who's, who has the same amount of points, I believe, as Real Madrid or, or a little bit less than Real Madrid, uh, but could potentially, with the upcoming games, kind of pull off a good lead over over Real Madrid. They're fourth, Atletico one. That's right. So they're fourth. So he basically went out and called out certain individuals and said that they don't seem to have that mentality or he doesn't seem to see that same seriousness or expectation of a big team and of a big mentality. And I actually, um, I don't know if Brian was able to see this, but I had sent him a video. Let me see if, if I sent it in the in the group chat. Oh, here it is. It's I'm going to show I'm going to play the video here live to Brian regarding the recent uh the Ballon d'Oro ceremony, and in which we saw Gundogan with his Barca squad, and um, this is Barca taking a picture. Balde was about to follow him. He's like, "What the heck was that?" And so, you know, everybody's kind of awkwardly looking at each other, like, and looking towards Gundo aside because they're like, uh, what is going on? Yeah. So, uh, obviously, maybe we're making things up out there in the media. You know how the media Well, let me, let me describe for you. Obviously, you guys are listening. You guys couldn't see the video. But mm-hmm. it was uh, it, it was in the Ballon d'Oro ceremony. And you have Balde, um, Laporta, uh, Mark Ter Stegen, and Gundogan just beside each other just taking a picture. Mm-hmm. Pretty much right after the picture was taken, the first few pictures – Gundogan just walks away in front of the, like the whole carpet, and then uh, Balde and Mark Ter Stegen and Laporta are just like standing there, confused. Like, why did he leave? <laughs> why did he leave? Yeah. yeah. So I think the speculation is that you know maybe he's upset, he's upset he's or upset. he's just not ready. Maybe you know there's maybe some tension right now in the locker room. Yeah. And so what do you make about this? Do you do you blame Xavi? I I, I read a lot. I watched a lot of uh, YouTube 
uh, content creators. And they said that it was a jab at Xavi and his mentality because, of course, after the press conference or after the game, Xavi came out and said that Real Madrid were undeserving of that win and that, you know, Barcelona was the better team. And, and it seems to be that same type of uh, mentality that you've mentioned yourself before that you hate to see or that you hate to see your coach kind of come out and say. Yeah. Um, or it could just possibly have been players in the locker room who were, who were perhaps just kind of having a nonchalant attitude about a loss to your club rival and potentially, you know, dropping four points now standing fourth in La Liga. Yeah. What do you make of all of this? I think um, I don't think it was necessarily a dig at Xavi. I think Xavi has said dumber things before. As far as like, wait, I mean, no disrespect. I don't mean dumbass. I mean like, um, what do you say? Like, uh, just complaining about the grass not wet enough. <laughs> Jesus, mm. uh, complaining about the uh, the grass not being wet enough, or like the wind. I don't know. He's like, he's he puts up excuses. I think this time I would agree with that statement that Barcelona played better, but Real Madrid just almost wanted it more till the very end. Um, obviously the intensity of the game towards the end of the, 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 the match, it was like, you know, Real Madrid just like took advantage. And, uh, like, like we mentioned earlier, all the chances that we didn't, um, capitalize on, they did. Um, so anyways, as far as Gundogan's comments go, like I said, I don't think there were really shots at Xavi. Um, maybe a little bit. You think he's right? Yeah, of course. I mean, I think. There's like token players, you know, like Gavi, um, Araujo, and uh, Ter Stegen. They they really are very passionate about like when, when people when when we lose these big games like the Clasico, it's like it's a huge deal to them. Mm, right, um, it should be a huge and deal. A huge and yeah, and it, it, it should be. I think there's a couple players in the locker room that maybe are just really young right now and are missing that mentality. Mm-hmm. Of like, well, it, maybe I'm tripping because you know if they a lot of them kind of grew up in La Masia or being a big fan of this of this game or following this fixture for most of their lives, so right. they they should know us even as fans how like devastating it Loki is, you know, yeah. to like lose these games and and lose them by these margins too, like last where, minute winner, where like you're com- you're you're completely dominating this this great rival for the three quarters of the match and then in the last quarter you just fall apart and they they score two and then that's it that's what you don't have any other chance to come back so i don't know i like i like gundo i think he's he's you know like he said he's a vet you know he he said it i like that he said like you know i came to win these like he's like i came to win these matches like i don't care beating you know um Rayo Vallecano. Like we should win those. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like he's like, whatever. That's good. We score. I, you know, I don't care. But like these are the games that I'm talking about. Like the classical. Like that's what he lives for. And like, right. and you saw, like, you know, he he scored that banger last year um against uh Manchester United in the um the English Cup final, mm-hmm. the FA Cup final. Right. And like so it's like he like he turns up in these games. His first game, uh, his first goal for us was against Real Madrid. Like he's like he almost like gets an extra gear to him, right? So I think he's just like, and he's a true leader. Yeah, true and I think leader. he's trying to. I think he's trying to just voice his his opinion, and even like that little thing that he did right there to the mm-hmm. uh, to the guys at Copa at uh, the Balloon de Oro ceremony. Yeah, I think that's good. I think he's letting him know, like, bro, I'm pissed. Like, yeah, you know. I'll be honest with you, Brian. I don't think it, this was a jab at the players. Uh. 
I think this was a jab at Xavi's management team. Oh. And the reason why I say this is because of different things. One, I know Araujo came out and did a press conference after the game. And he mentioned how, you know, they lacked intensity towards the game, another game. And, you know, they, they played well. And obviously there's stuff that they need to work on, blah, blah, blah. Then we saw images of, of Gavi crying yeah. towards the end of the game, right? Yeah. yeah. Which, which shows, one, you know, that, that there's true passion there. And obviously then we, we saw the frustration with uh, Gundo, which is, you know, Gundo is... um. A well-rounded, uh, competitive player. You know, he's coming from a, a very high-level playing team who has that winner mentality as well, such as Man City. Yeah, they hadn't won the World, uh, the Champions League, but you know, they've won the Premier League for the past decade. So he comes from a winning mentality type of team. And so, when I look at the things that, for example, Xavi says, mm-hmm. when I look at the changes that Xavi does in the game. And when I look at the excuses that he makes, and, and I believe, I remember when, when Bellingham scored the, the game winner winner, there was an actual image that I specifically remember where they put, they put the image on Xavi and Xavi kind of has his hand in his pocket or hands next to him. And he's kind of like, kind of like shrugs, like, well, what else can you do? Mm. Or what, you know, what else, you know? Yeah. So it, it's, it's like those kind of things that I feel like maybe Gundo sees that obviously coming from Pep Guardiola. I remember when Real Madrid played Man City in that semifinal where Real, when Vinny had you know did that turnaround mm-hmm. goal and and he scored. You see Pep Guardiola just dropping to the floor and is showing every emotion, every you know every type of feeling, right? Because they had the game on on their hands, and and you kind of see this nonchalant attitude, this excuse mentality by Xavi every time y'all lose. Instead of finding, instead of, you know, auto-criticizing themselves, like, oh, man, you know, it was my fault. I, I probably, may, I went too defensively, you know, or something like that, right? Yeah. Take ownership of your own action. It's always a constant excuses and excuses. Every time he loses, he makes excuses. And he has this nonchalant attitude, like, oh, oh, I tried. You know, what else can we do? Nothing else we can do. Yeah. And, yeah, he, he you know, he, like you said, we talked about it. We gave him his flowers. He probably you're a great first half, but you made mistakes in a second. And you just got you know, own up to those things. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it was the players' fault. I think the players were trying, and Madrid was struggling. They couldn't find anything. They had zero shots on goal in the first half. So, I think Gundo seeing this team, uh, this things in, in the locker room, maybe Xavi not coming out, you know, throwing bottles or or, or, or kind of yelling like he does at the referees, you know, because yeah. <laughs> he gets recorded almost every game. Yeah. So why doesn't he have that attitude, right, when he's in the locker room and kind of expressing to the players like, like, hello, like what's going on? You, you know, what happened in the second half? We had a plan. You guys didn't execute that. You're supposed to be holding, you know, each other accountable. Like we need to see more intensity. We can't lose this game. We're playing Real Madrid. We're playing our rival. We're, these games, as I mentioned to you before, are what defines a league down the run. Is not you losing to to um, you know, to to Granada or whatever Hatafe is these games yeah. that you're gonna look back and say, damn it, we had them. Yeah. You know, and 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 even with a draw, honestly, with a draw and having all these injuries that Barcelona had would have been a beautiful, perfect ending to the game for Barcelona. Because hey, next Clásico, they're back and healthy. They could possibly be Real Madrid. So I do think that it was a job of Xavi, and that's why I told you that when Xavi was renovated. I don't think Barcelona right now, even with a healthy squad, has the capacity to play Champions League. And I, I, I honestly feel like they could even possibly still lose La Liga as well. And they need La Liga economically to kind of keep themselves afloat. So 
I, I, I think that, you know, Grundo is upset right now and it shows and he's upset at La Porta. He's not, probably not saying anything to Xavi. And, and, and you know, he, he wants more intensity from players. I don't so, know. I think, I think, you know, you can't really come at, like, there's, bro, you have Ancelotti who shows, who raises. Yeah, but Ancelotti somehow gets lucky every time, bro. He sure, gets, yeah. sure. I mean, until last year where you guys didn't win anything, really. Right, right, and, right. And so it's like. You know, and again, that's not a shot at you or the Real Madrid. I'm just saying, like, mm-hmm. like Xavi, maybe he's finding he's a new coach. His is this is just uh, bro. I'm just saying, like, or it doesn't even matter if he's a new coach or not. However many years he's been doing it for, but maybe that's just not his style. His style is probably not to to go into the locker room and start yelling at everybody. But what does he do for the referees? He's always yelling at the referees like a maniac. Yeah, but so I mean, a lot of, a lot of coaches do that. But I'm saying, like, but I'm saying, like. Bro, Barcelona didn't play a bad game. They lost. Right. That's what happened, right? They lost. So he couldn't, like, okay, maybe, uh, you know, like I said, uh, the Romeo changed. Maybe the, maybe putting Lamina Yamal, putting him on the left wing instead of, like, doing that. I think he did it against Real Betis where Rafinha and Lamina Yamal were, like, um, on the right wing, both, like, you know, whatever. But, so, but, like, the, the truth is, like, they didn't play a bad game. Nobody really did much wrong that you can yell at somebody for. It was a game where, like, it was, I hate to call it that, but it was an unlucky game for Barcelona. They had a lot of posts. They had created a lot of chances. They were very creative. They were very... Yeah, but, 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 but you said something at the beginning of this episode. You said the opportunities that you don't score... Sure. But they weren't even bad. They were the they were posts, like you know, no, like the 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 Fermin Lopez is his first classical. Yeah, maybe he could have gone far post, but who would have said that Kepa doesn't stop that either? And uh, Iñago Martinez was a good header. Araujo with the rebound to Kepa, it was a good shot. Kepa did a good save. Like mm-hmm. it's like I don't see much to get pissed off somebody at. You know, like yeah, may, score him next time. I mean, that's it. Like you know, like so what I I but, say all but, that to but, say, but, but, Okay, I, I get you. I, I understand that. And I don't even think I don't even think Gundo's comments were saying, hey, we didn't try enough. But it was more like, hey, where is that winning mentality? Like I wanna see more frustration from everyone being right. like, damn, we lost. We have to get you know, we have to get them next time or or we have to stick to a plan. And and when you have a coach who's making excuses to why y'all lost and how the other team is underserving. But that's what I'm saying though. But but but, but Chavi didn't do that this game. He didn't say anything. Yes, he did. He he came out in the press conference and said that Real Madrid were underserving of the win. Okay. <laughs> that's not an excuse. It is. It's that's just, just how he feels because Barcelona played a better game for for 70% but when when, when will you go out there and hear these top coaches like Pep Guardiola, Ancelotti, Arteta? If dude, if you give me time, I can look up and like, I'll quote you. Very unlikely. I, Very I, unlikely. I because promise I'll show you. There's so that's such a common thing. We did that were underserving of the win. Xavi has also said we were underserving of the win, but we won. That's so common to say. Sometimes you. This is probably one of the Real Madrid games that just like. Um, that that Man City in the when you guys won it in the last ten minutes, mm-hmm. did you guys deserve that win? No, probably not. Right, but you guys won. Yeah, but but we had a narrative of coming back and and being this team that has this DNA that always comes back and wins. And what's the difference through. between then and the now? Barca doesn't have that DNA. That's because fun. they That's... haven't been able to build it because the coach that y'all have always has this. Oh well, we tried and and well, it didn't work out and it was the grass fault and it was it was the bad refereeing and it was and right, it's but... never out of criticism. 
<laughs> because again, this is probably a bad example for you to start talking about it. Because I'm sure there's been a lot of games that Barcelona can we can talk about that for Barcelona. This is a bad example because Barcelona played a good game. There was not much for him to come out and say. Like, yeah, he could say like, "Man, Iñago Martinez should have headed it more to the right." And like, you're talking about centimeters off. Like, this is not like you, you can't. I don't think there's a lot to self-criticize yourself about. In this particular game, I know that, yeah, in the past, there's he's, like, doing all these crazy things, saying all these wild stuff. But this game, not so much. That's why I think Gundogan probably wasn't talking too much about Xavi. I think he probably saw a couple of players who were just like, we'll yeah. get him next time type of thing. And maybe Xavi's uh, coaching style isn't, like, super erratic in the locker room to, like, start yelling and throwing things. Like, <laughs> like maybe how Simeone is or how maybe Pep Guardiola is or used to be or how Mourinho Probably like slapping like guys in the back of the head and stuff like. Right, maybe that's right. just not his thing. Yeah, and maybe Gundogan you're right. is used to be, and he Gundogan comes from like Klopp and Pep Guardiola. That's all he's known. They're very like um, animated and like very like outspoken individuals. Chavi, right. Chavi, yeah, he yells at the ref just like every other coach does. But you've never really seen like like go at a at a at a, at a player. And maybe Gundogan is like. Mm. I don't really like it. And that's fine. If he does mean that, that's fine. I I would like to think that he just saw a couple of young players just, you know, changing, getting ready and be like, guys, it's okay. You know, come on, like, keep your head up. Instead of being like, you know, punching the locker rooms, throwing <laughs> their cleats and stuff like right. that, which is fine. You know, a lot of people, you know, he's probably that way and he wants to see that from other people, but other people, you know, express themselves differently. And who knows? I mean, it could be a good thing for Barca having a leader like Mundogan is. And, and I, I see, I think both things are true. Maybe Xavi, you know, has this way to 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 go at players afterwards, and maybe, but also Gundogan is is has all the right to say that because he is a vet and he's done this for a long time. So I guess you could go both ways, you know, whether it's possibly the mentality of of some of the young players or even some of the veterans to possibly even the coach and his coach coaching staff. Yeah, um, I do really like Gundo's points and I think that um you know he has a reason to be upset and, and like he said you know I didn't come to retire right that's a good mentality he's yeah, like yeah. a lot of people are like oh he's just coming to retire mm-hmm. you know he's clearly showing hey I, I can still play I can still ball and I'm hoping that I'm coming to a club who also feels that way about competitions and I know that I came to help and I want everybody to kind of do its part you know as well so um so yeah I think it's a good take but with that, guys, I hope hopefully you guys enjoyed uh, the classical talk. Yep. Um, next next week we'll have a very exciting debate about the recent Ballon d'Oro awards and and obviously I, I have a lot of things to say. And O'Brien is very. I don't happy. have that much to say. I don't because it's it's pretty self explanatory. <laughs> no, it's not. Um, if y'all saw the ceremony and saw the winner, then you uh. know what it is. I wish we had a little bit more time today, but you know we're trying to get back into a group of things and scheduling wise you know it's, it's hard but we're gonna try to make it more um or continue going back to our old ways of being uh, regularly every week uh again sorry for the hiatus thank you guys for supporting hopefully guys you like you guys like this episode um rate it add it uh save it tell your mom and your friends about it share um, it share 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 and let us know what you think let us know if we should tap into different topics that we that we probably don't as often. Um, I know this is pretty much the classical episode, right? But there was just so much to break down. You kind of have we have to dedicate a full episode yeah. to a classical for There's us. A lot to talk about, you know, fans of both teams. But anyways, thank you guys for tuning in. We'll see you guys next week. And as always, we love you. Take care and peace. peace.